Hello, today is October 15th and we're here at the Midwood High School 75th anniversary with the Our Streets, Our Stories project. My name is Tanya Evans and I'm with... Howie Seligman. Hi Howie, want to begin by starting with your Brooklyn story? Okay. Um, well, I graduated in 73 and you have the material here about this program called Sing and I have very fond memories of Sing. It was allowing everyone to participate in theater and you would compete with the other classes, so it was like freshman, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, and then the winner would go compete like intra-high school, although that sometimes because the transportation at the time wasn't so filled out. I know Madison, Lincoln, Sheepshead, a lot of the other regional high schools participated, and you would write an original play based on using Broadway or popular songs and changing the words. So, you know, like, that's a big tradition, you know, like Al Yankovic, but it wasn't always that funny. And there were a lot of themes at the time, especially with the Vietnam War and racial stuff that was going on, and the neighborhood was changing. And, um, it, it allowed, even if you couldn't sing, you'd end up in the chorus, so you could participate. And also, there were all these rumors as you got older about the party weekend, particularly Saturday night. And in those days, the drinking age was 18, and it was very loose. Any guy who was tall or had facial hair could pretty much walk into a liquor store. Now it's like sort of prohibition all over again. And I was in the band and um, I, you know, in, in sophomore year we were really the best, but they gave it to the seniors out of sympathy. And then in junior year we were terrible and then finally we won the seniors. There was often a sympathy vote for the seniors. And also um, the senior, when we were sophomores, had several people who went on to become professional. They did a thing about the Salem witch trials. We did a thing about like a kid who comes to New York to make it in the theater. But um, it was the first time people would, you know, make out at the parties. It was a coming of age. In, in junior year, I decided to tell my parents I was sleeping over at someone's house. It's very typical, and stay out all night. But at a certain point, we all had bluffed, and we had no one's house to actually go to. And so we ended up walking on Ocean Parkway. And we kind of just sort of sat on the bench and fell asleep for those two hours between like three and five, you know. And um, the police came over and stopped us. And all, but it was, in the end, all good. It was the first time I experienced Sleepless Night and did a performance again the next day. Yeah. Oh my we had this band leader, I just brag about him. He's not going to be here today, but his name was Fred Zarr. And he could hear a record just once and immediately know how to play the chords and do an arrangement. So he was a very big band leader, and he always wanted to do lots of different chord changes and make the songs complicated. And at the time, Miles Davis had just gotten this new sound that was influenced by Hendrix and Sly, and it was, I said, just stay on one chord. You know, it's the groove. And he said, you're crazy. You know, you don't really play. And years later, I caught up with Fred. He played on a lot of big hit records. And he did all the music for Madonna's first album. He played keyboards and drums. He worked with a producer named Kachif. He worked with um, Evelyn Champagne King. And he said, you know, you were right. You know, it's really about just the bass and the rhythm. Like, the chords don't really matter that much. How did you know that? But in any case, it was a very good time to grow up. Um, people here were tough. Um, the, 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 the racial tension was externalized in the news for a lot of political reasons that had to do with trying to come up with a national policy. And this was in the 70s? In the early 70s, but I mean, I was here from 70 to 73, but in fact, everyone really got along. And there was a show called The Swingers that started because the black group 
said, and, and the sort of click said, you know, we're underrepresented. Sing is a real white, Broadway's a white thing, you know. So the Swinger Show, I remember the first time they did this arrangement of Betcha by Golly Wow by the, um, not, not the spinners, the uh, stylistics. And I just started to cry. I was one of the, you know, because, but anyway, no, I have a lot of fun memories. But the, the one memory I want to bring up, which is totally unrelated, and this will help me, because I, I could go on all day, especially with coffee, is the first time I went to Grand Army Plaza, the library. And my mother was a school teacher who taught in Bed-Stuy, but we perceived going to Prospect Park as this bad neighborhood. And um, they had just started to lend LPs. And I was really interested in music, and I had a stereo at home, like, not like a lot of other kids. And um, I remember I went in, and I was just fascinated that, Mom, you can take out albums? And she said, yeah, it's a new thing. And, you know, the library card was this thing they'd put into this, like, ka-ching machine and take a picture. And, the, and it was the same thing. There was a sliver in the album. It had this laminated plastic. And so I discovered the real roots of the blues. Because at the time, you know, we had Jimi Hendrix and Cream and The Who, all these people who were playing what was actually based on Mississippi Delta Blues or Chicago Blues. But we didn't know that it was necessarily coming from white guys who had gotten to play with Chicago Blues or Mississippi Delta Blues guys. So I got this record by Lightning Hopkins. And I remember seeing, it was like one of the Smithsonian series. And I remember seeing this picture of Lightning Hopkins. It was like, in this suit, and he had this hat, and these dark sunglasses, kind of like, you know, and he was the coolest guy to me. He was much cooler than, like, Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix, and he was slow, and he was playing slide, and so this completely, I don't want to sound um, patronizing, but blew my head off, and then I found out about Robert Johnson, and so by the time I got into a band, when I was 11, I already was like, oh, no, 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 these guys stole from these old black you know, and it was just amazing that the library really worked. You know, and also my parents didn't discourage me. Like say, oh, that's noise, or that that's bebop. That's gonna force you to start smoking marijuana when you're 15. <laughs> and I said, no, statistics show that will probably happen anyway, mother dollar. But anyway, so no, I feel very lucky when I look at kids now. I mean, I raised daughters who grew up in in the 90s, and I look at kids now like I would have been ADD. I would have been diagnosed as having eating disorders. I would have been put into a special ed because my eyes were so bad. But people just said, you know, just get on the bus, you know. And the other thing was that people always looked out for you. Like I always had this amazing luck. Like a, a gang would come on, try to, you know, start something. Guy would pull a knife, and somewhere some guy would just show up. And like, hey, he's cool, man. Like that guy. Don't don't blank with that guy, you know. And I always felt like there was some, you know. And now I don't see that kind of confidence. Kids are alienated. The, the um, way in which um, they've changed the bar and how they measure performance when children start out is to women. And, and girls learn faster. Girls are more intellectual. Girls nurture. Boys need to, in a way, be violent because that's how they're wired as mammals. And that behavior used to be acceptable, and now it's tied in with this sort of like, oh, you know, you keep starting fights, you need to go. And so once you're in this system of ADD or, you know, now they have autism. And, and um, I think the tide of the old European, that the immigrants, my parents and my grandparents, they were like, no, you're just going to, it's going to work out. You know, don't take it too seriously. And I feel bit, uh, sorry in some ways. There's too much information. And, um, 
a lot of things have changed on the surface, but the real issues are still the same. So, and I'm glad to see the science education and all of that. Anyway, I don't want to go on to that. I, but I, I just, I love that I never left New York and that Brooklyn is still, it's ironic now with the high ran and the hipster. But this neighborhood is still, you know. So anyway, I know I've gone off on a long tangent. You'll probably have to edit this, but I'm really pleased to be back here. And uh, the public library should get more federal funding, which will happen if Mrs. Clinton is elected. <laughs> so on that note, I say, no third parties, this one. Don't sit it out. Get out and say, I'm with her. Thank you and good night.